Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good evening. Yes, and welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence, that you secure this time, this place where we are, with your peace, your power, your protection, your revelation, your truth. Lord, I pray that you would tonight give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand your word, your love, your truth, that we might walk in the freedom that you died to give us, Lord. We bind the powers of darkness, those including those, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world. We bind you, enemy. You are forbidden to interfere with, obstruct, or snatch the word of God from our hearts and minds and our souls. You will no longer obstruct that word and its understanding to us. You will no longer filter it and pervert it through your lies. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that those filters be exposed and that we hear clearly, Lord God, your heart, your word, your will. And I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. I thank you, Lord, that made it all simple, that finished it. It was completed, the work that was done, that was required, the death that was shed and given for us and in our place. Lord God, we thank you for that. We thank you also that you've given us power over all the power of the enemy and that nothing shall by any means hurt us because you have committed yourself to us. You are faithful and you do not lie. And Lord, we know there's so many things that the enemy has done to counterfeit and confuse and corrupt your truth, your word through his lies. And so tonight, Lord, as we speak, may we speak and hear as the oracles of God, and may we understand, Lord, and I pray, Father God, that as your word is promised that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that we'd also walk into the place of protection, and that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the enemy will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. May I just speak tonight exactly what needs to be heard, and we encourage those who would call to call in and to be uh, set free, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm on, I've got a hot topic for you tonight. It's um, the question, are you having a hard time getting along with God? <laughs> I'm sure it can stir up a few, uh, raise a few eyebrows and stir up a few thoughts. But, um, you know, a lot of times I'll say, well, well, where is he? What's he doing? Why isn't he helping me? Uh, uh, this isn't fair. What I have to go through, it's too much. Or why me? And so we just get into this uh, place of taking everything on, being becoming overwhelmed, looking at it from our perspective and thinking it's all up to me um, to manage my life, my world, get God to help me, get God to help me. What's wrong with that picture? Getting God, like I have to arm wrestle God, beg God, you know, jump through hoops to get God to help me, and then he still won't help me. And so we end up feeling kind of overwhelmed and um, like we're about to go under, and boy, if there's any day in, in, in history when people might want to start feeling that, it might be now, uh, considering where we are. And if you don't have any clue about where we are, you better start looking around and seeing this thing for what it really is. But anyway, you know, how does this get started, this having a problem with God or, or a concept of God? I think our, our very first concepts of God and who he is 
are given to us by the people around us, our caregivers, our parents, our Sunday school classes, our churches, if we go there, uh, or the lack thereof. So uh, we're kind of built, we're all built by God. And so it's natural for us, really sort of divinely natural to pray. And so we pray and little kids have bedtime prayers and we have table prayers and we have prayers. And most of our prayers are to ask God for something. Um, you know, your little kid prayers were something about, oh, dear Jesus, please bless mom and daddy and give me a pony and, you know, give me a new puppy and blah, blah, blah. So most of our prayers are prayers that we pray that are not answered. Now, that is not a good track record for God to start out his reputation, his, re- his relationship with us with a whole lot of unanswered prayers. <laughs> like I had a gal one time, she was upset with God, couldn't trust God. She's a full-grown adult. But when she was little, she kept asking God for a pony. And uh, she dreamt about her pony, and every day she'd run out to look and see if the pony were out in her front yard. And he was never there. So finally she just gave up on God and said, you know what? God doesn't answer prayers. And how many little children have those kind of gimme, gimme, gimme prayers? And and, and we put an expectation on God to answer a prayer, a pretty specific one. Sometimes they're very serious prayers like, um, don't let my daddy die or don't let my mommy die or um, whatever. And they don't get answered. And every time we have those prayers that are on that unanswered pile, it becomes a problem with getting along with God. Because what is God doing? Where is he? Why isn't he, not, why isn't he helping me? And no one really um, teaches us really about you know prayers and how to pray until, of course, we look in the Bible. And the very first place that I can think of that we would go would be in the place where the apostles asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And um, here it was in the middle of the Beatitudes. And let's see if I think we'd find that one. Yep, in in Luke. We'll go to Luke for a second. Chapter 11. Um, And it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped or ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. So he said to them, when you pray, say. So can you imagine the kind of prayers that Jesus prayed? It wasn't the give me the pony kind of prayers. It was thy will be done kind of prayers. It was the binding of the devil kind of prayers. It was warfare prayers. The kind of like David prayed, and we'll get to David's prayers in a minute. But So he's, this is a pattern for prayer. And, and, you know, if we have an expectation of God that he's got to do stuff for us, uh, then we become feeling overwhelmed and unlistened to and abandoned because our expectations are wrong. Our concept of God is wrong. Uh, And so we become um, upset, feeling abandoned. Um, And after a while, we just say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to pray. It doesn't work. Nothing works. We don't want to trust God for anything because really it's too hard. I'll just go get it myself. I'll do it myself. So Jesus his very first words out of the uh, at the very beginning of the instruction was our father in heaven so he's addressing god his relationship with god as a father as a provider as a as his um source his supply his comfort his the one who would obviously your father would be the one who would most care for you obviously we know in the world that's not always true but in this particular relationship it's an affectionate relationship it's where there is uh, trust, where we know that there's a, a, a trust, a longing, a waiting in, in, the, um, in, 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 partic- in anticipation of God's good enough. 
So he says, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, or your kingdom come to the earth. Holy, praise. So the relationship, again, is going with one of worshiping God, not being mad at God, having a hard time getting along with God, being bitter against God, holding a lot of resentment. And, you know, I suppose Jesus could have held a lot of resentment against the Father because it wasn't that easy down here, and God gave him no special breaks. From the time he was an infant, there was no special favors offered to this child who was about to redeem the world and doing his father a great favor by coming and dying in our place. I mean, he just, you know, got killed on his way to Egypt, you know, by Herod and his men. So there wasn't any, no extra money coming in, no extra perks uh, for being the son of God. Not, not nothing. And so, you know, there was lots of extra stress and wilderness temptations. But he kept saying, your kingdom come. This is not about me. And, you know, if we're feeling mad at God, uh, it, it's about you. Your, your, your kingdom come, Lord God, not mine. Your will be done. Look at your motives. Look at what you're expecting. Look at what you are wanting and needing from God and understand the context in which we are praying. We're con- the context is war, not peace. This is not paradise. This is battle. On, he says, your, your will be done. We have to pray for God's will to be done because that isn't the easiest thing in the world to get done. On earth as it is in heaven. And everything in heaven, everything is done according to God's will. It's good. It's perfect. It's right. It's just. But on earth, it's just the opposite. There is offense. There is opinion. There is injustice. There is uh, constant, constant things that are not fair. And then he goes on to say, give us day by day our daily bread. In other words, we're trusting you, Father, for every day, every tiny little provision. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Now we're getting into some very interesting things. What, what about sins? What about forgiveness? Why is that part of the prayer? Why is that important to be part of the prayer? I mean, I can, I can understand why we talk about giving us daily bread and, you know, good night's rest and um, uh, friends and, you know, breakthroughs. But what, why forgive us our sins? Because if we don't get that forgiveness and know we're forgiven, then we will be mad at ourselves. And if you're mad at yourself, you're a, a target, a wide open target for the enemy who takes a shot at you from about five feet range and hits you every time with guilt, shame, I'm bad, you did something wrong, he's saying. And if we don't release ourselves from those judgments that Satan is putting on us through the counsel of self-judgment, then we're going to believe the lie. I'm bad, I'm guilty, and I don't deserve good things. Now, if you come into agreement with guilt, and he says, and you've agreed, I don't deserve good things because I'm guilty, I'm bad, I should have, I didn't, and I sinned, then the devil has the freedom. You've just given him permission to steal your blessings. Now, of course, if you're praying to God for blessings and you just give him the devil permission to steal them, of course, there's going to be a little bit of a conflict and a little confusion in there. Um, and pretty soon we're going to not believe that God listens to our prayers and we're going to have a hard time getting along with God. So the, the critical piece is that we forgive we have our sins forgiven. We forgive ourselves, and then we also forgive others. Because if you don't forgive others, then you're also going to be guilty of judging. And when that happens, of course, the devil slams you back with judge not, lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you'll be judged. And so he's saying, God says, if you want mercy, give mercy. So the devil is holding us to the same standard only to our detriment when he says, um, okay, you're mad at your mother. Therefore, I'm going to put the same junk curses 
uh, upon you that's on her, and you're going to end up being just like her when, when that's the very last thing you want to do. So in this daily prayer, it's like washing. Every day you wash your hands, take away the sins, forgive, release. Forgiveness, by the way, means release from judgment. It doesn't say, it doesn't say I've got to feel like I'm sorry. I don't have to feel like I've forgiven. I don't have to feel anything. I just have to do it. I don't feel like washing my hands. I just do it, and it's done. I release them from my judgment, and I turn the crimes, and it doesn't mean I have to say there's no crimes committed, and it's fine, and, you know, no big deal. Hey, there's a lot of crimes out there that God, the great judge, wants to judge, but he has to be permitted to be the judge. If you're going to be the judge of those crimes and stay mad and stay bitter and take offense, then God cannot judge it because we can, you can only have one judge on the case at the, at, the same, at the same time. One is to be the plaintiff. You can be the plaintiff. God, this is what's happening. This is what they're doing to me. And we're going to see that in a minute when we look at David and how he brought his complaints to the Lord. His prayers were not bedtime prayers, let me tell you. Um, okay, forgive us. Uh, we release the people who've hurt us, and we ask that you would release us. And, listen to this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, does this, you never hear kids praying like this. They're not going to say, uh, deliver us from the evil one. They don't even know about the evil one. But we, as mature believers, need to understand that there is a war going on, and the evil one needs to be dealt with, and we need to understand temptation, for one thing. I think a lot of us become very upset with God because we think he set us up, and we say, we hear in our minds and in our hearts, well, where was God when all this was happening? I trusted God. I thought he was there for me. Um, and now he's, you know, let all this stuff happen. And here I am. And, you know, either I'm mad at myself because there's something the devil tells me I should have, could have done different and didn't. Therefore, I need to take responsibility. It's my fault. Or we're thinking of ourselves as innocent, like Job did, and not understanding why all this bad stuff is happening to him. Because, in those days, and of course even now with karma, we think, oh, if I, if I do good things, good things should happen to me, and that's it, the end of story. But it doesn't explain the persecution of the righteous and how a lot of very, 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 very bad things happen to some very awesomely good people. And so here we're looking at um, trying to figure out this whole conundrum. If you try to figure anything out without putting all elements in the equation, you'll never balance the equation. You'll never explain the situation you must put the devil in that equation because in james it says and again we if we're mad at god it's because we do not understand the strategies the warfare that's going on james says let no one just as james 1 chapter 13 i mean chapter 1 verse 13 let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone so God is not double-minded. He's not insane. He's not conflicted. He's not setting you up on the one side and say, come over here, I'll help you, and then knocking you down on the other side so that you are doubtful of his true love, can't trust him. He says, when we're tempted, when we're tested, when we're in that place of trial, by the way, the trial is and the temptation is to bring forth trust and triumph or testimony, victory, not uh, defeat and discouragement and death. When we're tempted, when we're tested, we're tested, he says in verse 12, he says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. 
So when you're tempted, you have an opportunity to be blessed. Blessed means happy, greatly favored. You have an opportunity to move into some new blessing when you endure the temptation. It's not, we try to avoid the temptations, avoid the problems or, or prove our innocence. A lot of very innocent people are led into very difficult situations. So don't let the devil or your, the demons inside your head kick you and say it's your fault. You may have been led like Jesus, who was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit did not tempt Jesus. Jesus was following the Holy Spirit. This temptation in the wilderness uh, was part of what had to be done to prove that he was obedient. It says he, he proved his obedience through the things he suffered. Uh, there's a verse that says, he who suffers has ceased from sin. So Jesus, though he was perfect, had to prove that obedience and perfection, not to his father, but to the devil. Because the devil was there to find fault and say, yeah, you're favoring him, you're giving him, you're just, you know. That is not going to be one of the charges Satan can press against God or his people in the end when he's going to say, God, you just gave them everything they want. Satan is out to kill and steal and destroy and wreck your life, no matter however he can. And God has to be, he's careful because he doesn't want to over favor you so that it's not a, a, you know, I mean, so that the devil can accuse him of just, giving you everything and bar, uh, you know, bribing you to follow him. But at the same time, the Lord knows how he must be present to keep us, even though the enemy wants to tell us he's not there or ask us where he was in those trials. So he says, uh, for when he is proven, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So this trial of our faith, this testing, um, is to give us, bring us to the place of re- receiving recognition, rewards, crowns, life, promises, inheritance. It doesn't bring us to eternal life. Eternal life is purchased through Jesus Christ and through our accepting of his finished work on the cross. This is talking about other things, rewards, um, crowns of life, etc. Do not say, I'm tempted by God. God cannot be tempted by evil because he is not evil. He is actually the one we're praying to deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus calls him the evil one, and we're so afraid to talk about the devil. Oh, my goodness, as if he didn't exist. I mean, or we're afraid we're going to give too much credit to the devil. Oh, well, I don't think we give him enough credit as it is. Now, if you have a a question or a comment or you'd like to um, even ask other questions about other subjects, you're welcome to call us the number. 347-215-8051. This is war. 347-215-8051. We welcome you if you have counseling questions too because that's my favorite thing to do. Okay, so, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. What this is saying, this equation can be written like this. My problem or need, okay, plus the devil's solution or the demonic solution equals sin, which brings forth death. So when the devil sets you up in a tough spot with a need, with a crisis, feeling overwhelmed, and a lot of these crises are internal. They're not, you know, I mean, yes, we have a lot of the external you know, crises of poverty and sickness and things. But a lot of these crises are very internal. They're anxiety, they're fear, 
there's a temptation to take matters into your own hands or collapse or give up or or um, get angry or upset or, you know, whatever. So these internalized um, problems, weaknesses. Now, the, the, um, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, but we're, we can be drawn away by our desires and enticed. So when you have a desire for a need to be met, you have a problem, a situation, you're vulnerable to, to uh, finding a solution. And if we find a solution that's not a good solution, then we get in bigger trouble. You know you've done this before. Let's just say you need to buy a new car, and you go to the used car lot because you can't afford to buy a new car maybe, or, and you pick out this car that you think looks good, and um, turns out that it's not a good car at all. It's a lemon. First thing you do is you end up in the shop getting this fixed, and then that fixed, and then this falls off, and then you got to replace that. And by the time you go four times to the shop, you've already paid for the car twice. So the thing is, but you were you had a need, and you and that that need was uh, satisfied, or you thought you had the solution in this lemon car, but it brought forth headaches and problems and more pain and poverty. The same with the devil. He'll set up something in your life. He'll create pain. Pain is a real issue. Uh, pain, emotional pain, emptiness, loss, loneliness, big, big problem. And the devil will bring a solution to that. It'll be a temporary comfort, a way of escape. You know, it could be food. It could be sex. It could be, you know, being busy. It could be money. It could be anything to make you feel better, take away the pain or distract you. But when you come into an agreement with the, with the enemy's solution, there is a hook. It's like the hungry little fish that comes into agreement with the the, the bait that's on the hook as it's looking for lunch, it's coming into agreement with what it thought was food, a good solution to its hungry problem, but ends up being caught in the lie. The devil always sets it up to look like a good solution, but it ends up bringing forth death. Now, if you don't agree with the devil, you may have a need, but you'd pass on his solution. You're not going to marry that guy just because you need a guy or whatever. You pass on that solution. You don't grab onto it. Then there is no sin. There is nothing. There's no hook. There's no destruction. Usually, if you cry out to God for something, the devil is listening. And by the way, the devil loves to answer prayers, and he is way better. Now, take this. listen to what I'm saying before you run off and freak out and faint off your chair. He's way better at answering prayers than God is to give you exactly what you want. But he knows exactly what he wants, too, and he knows that he can give you what you're asking for, and at the same time, catch you and capture you and get completely what he wants, which is your destruction. So a lot of times when we pray to God, the devil will be listening, you know, and God is waiting. God waits. He he knows what he's doing. He knows what it's going to take to get wherever you need to. He's working at a deeper project. His project is to perfect that which concerns us, not give us everything immediately. He knows what you need. But if we can trust in the Lord that he's good, that he's never going to leave us or forsake us, then we will not freak out or panic when the answer doesn't come the next day or the the next 20 seconds. But the enemy is always there to give you that answer right away so that you get committed to him. You get, uh, it's a bribe. It's a, it's a hook. It's a connection. Uh, I know people who've said that they've sold their souls to the devil so that they could have their uh, music uh, go popular and they could be uh, a hit in the world, you know, uh, Sure, you bet. Absolutely the devil will take you up on that because you know what? He's all for that. He, he you know, it's like buying things on with credit cards. You buy now, pay forever plus interest. Okay. 
So going back to having a hard time getting along with God, I think we really need to look at the predicaments that we're in because a lot of times we blame God for those predicaments even though we don't understand the full measure of what he is doing in our life. If you look at David, for example, these are some not some they're not bedtime prayers. Um, he said in Psalm 140, I mean, this whole section of Psalms right in through here, he was praying from um, to preserve him from the violence of other of evil men, um, to guard him, to, uh, you know, one of them he's praying as he was in the cave, I mean, hiding out. I mean, he is the anointed king of God hiding out in a cave. Okay. And at one point he was acting like he was insane and, and slobbering down his mouth as he was trying to convince that uh, king, whatever his name was, that truly he was no threat because he was already crazy and insane. And so, I mean, that was a whole act that David put on. But he was in a predicament where, you know, he was crying out to God. He said, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. This is Psalm 140, verse 1. Who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather themselves together um, for war. Okay. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have purposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have prepared a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. Now, this is very descriptive. Descriptive. This is not, oh, Lord, please, you know, give me this, give me, give me. This is really business. This is war. This is what I really believe. This is the way God wants us to pray. Binding, loosing, committing our ways to the Lord, crying out to him for deliverance, showing us the way, leading us out of temptation, leading us, uh, delivering us from the evil one. And that evil one, obviously, in, da- in da- uh, David's day, were specific people, soldiers, um, Saul's men, uh, trapping, you know, like he was, a, they were bounty hunting David because Saul wanted him dead. And um, this is, he says, do not grant, O Lord, the desire of the wicked, which was basically to have him killed. O, o God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. I said, you are my God, have the, have, hear the voice of my supplication, O Lord. Oh, Lord, God, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head. He's crying out to God. Um, He's trusting God. He's not double-minded. He's not mad at God because all this is happening to him. Don't you think he'd had a right to be mad? Do you think he sat in his cave and grumbled? I can't believe this. God is just letting all this stuff happen. After all, he anointed me king, and now he's letting Saul try to kill me? How is that good for the kingdom of God? I don't get this. This is, God, I thought I could trust you. And so when you are being tested, God is also being tested in your heart. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to continue to, to, to stand uh, on his word, um, realize that he's faithful? Or are you going to crumble and take sides with the devil and say, yeah, I thought I could trust him, but he let me down. David was taking this opportunity, as we ought to, to declare the goodness of God. Rejoice in the faithfulness of God. Remind God that you have covered my head in the day of battle. That's a good thing to have done in the day of battle, don't you think? Especially arrows and swords flying around out there. Cover my head. I mean, and do not further the wicked schemes of the enemy, lest they be exalted. So our our victory and and God's victory are tied together. Our vindication 
validation, vindication are tied up in God's validation. You see, if God uh, abandons us, he's also uh, shown himself to be a coward or to be unfaithful or to be um, the, the, the loser, if you will. God's honor is at stake in your test, in your fiery trial. The Lord's honor is also at stake. And really, stop thinking all this stuff with God is is all about glory and glamour and his presence and being enamored with the, 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 the perks of being in the church club. I mean, get over it. You need to get out of those church clubs because I'm going to tell you something. The devil right now has his eye on the prize. And he sees this as a big, fat, juicy morsel that he is about to swallow up. The church of the living God that is filled with innocent, gullible, naive sheep who are following birds who are wolves in sheep's clothing. Who we have put in the place as our spiritual leaders and they are leading us towards the slaughterhouse. They're leading us towards the cliff. And we're not leaving the church because I was born in that religion. I was born in that church or... Or, or somebody, I, I like somebody that goes to that church, or my friend's in that church, or, um, yeah, I have to spit out the bones every Sunday. Well, why? Why do you go to a place where you are listening to someone who has been deceived by the enemy and is taking you through false doctrine, mixing law with grace, making you feel guilty, shame, and, and uh, what, what, uh, weak, uh, not even knowing, not even giving you the true parameters of this battle. It's ridiculous. I mean, it is totally ridiculous. It's, it's filled with hopelessness, collective hopelessness. We think that we're going to bring in the glory of God. No, that is not even correct. Jesus himself said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They weren't just eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage. They were, they were being eaten up and, and living in and amidst Transhumans, crosshumans, chimeras, giants, uh, just a few little things like that going on. Uh, complete idolatry. They had lost, their, even their DNA was, was corrupted. So as it was in the days of Noah, we're not, Jesus said, when I get back here, will I really find faith on the earth? He says, hey, guys, if it weren't be that we'd shorten these days, nobody would survive. And I believe that. Um, it's not that we have to look at everything negative and be afraid, but at the same time, realize Realize, God says, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. That was in the Old Testament. That's still in the New Testament. There's a whole lot of unclean things we're touching that look clean, that look okay. So God's people are to be distinct. They're to be separate. You know, John, First John says, that you have the anointing in you, and you do not need that to have anyone teach you. I mean, what that means is, don't think that the Holy Spirit can't speak directly to you and you've got to go through some guru or some uh, prophet or some preacher or some priest or something. God, his Holy Spirit, if you're saved, lives inside of you. He is the first resource that you need to go to for wisdom, counsel, strength, uh, revelation. And by the time you get done with the Holy Spirit, you probably won't need to go anywhere else because he's going to show you what you need. So, all right, call me. 347-215-8051. Three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Anybody on the line? Nobody. Okay. All right. I'll keep talking then. You know me. Psalm one forty one. David says, "Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me." Okay. This is a desperate man. Is this how we say our prayers? 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to see Thank you, God, for the food. Amen. Bye. Good night. Goodbye, God. Talk to you later. You know? Um, and we ha- we're we so bored with our own prayers, we're not even paying attention to ourselves. So how would you expect God to pay attention to you? Now, David is in a place of, of it's pretty life and death right now. So he's crying out to God, make haste, hurry up. This is a desperate man. I I believe that this man, desperation brings us to either reality. I mean, if when you're desperate, you're finally done playing and playing games. I mean, seriously, but God wants, he likes desperation. Give ear to the voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayers be set before you as incense, the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. This man is into it. He's into it. He's not mad at God, having a hard time being mad at God. Do we understand how hard it has been for God to watch us these 6,000 years to be beat up, eaten up, swallowed up, chewed up and spit out by the devil, his precious children? He's been watching this for 6,000 years. You know, the devil's getting even with him, I'm sure. But God suffers along with us. He isn't just waiting for all this to end so he can, you know. And he's just not there on the throne trying to make you uh, be good and do what he wants. That's not what it's about at all. It's not about works. It's about willingness. It's about love. It's about knowing. And, you, you know, when we're in these tests and trials, it really, the enemy uses at every opportunity to confuse you about what did I do wrong? It's my fault. I should have not said that. You might be, you are actually in the place where God knew you were going to be right now, today. From the beginning of the world, he knew today, right here, where you're sitting, you'd be there, right there. And he's not mad at you. He's not disappointed. He knew exactly what was going to happen. But he's there to be the way, the way out, the God of escapes, to help you, to teach you, to um you know, a lot of people, they'll go through a really hard thing and they'll say, man, man, I never ever want to go through that again. And then, but they'll say, you know what, though I, I, though I never want to go through it again, I'm really, I'm really glad, I'm really happy, thankful that it happened because I learned so much. Just like Job, at the end of all that, he says, whoa, the revelation of God is awesome. He was, he had been blessed even in the midst of his trial. And that's what God has in mind. He's not there to hurt us. He's there to help us. He is a ten- God, God of tender mercies. And so he says, um, um, going on to Psalm 142, this is the one where David's praying out in the cave. And he says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice, I cry to the Lord. I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. Deliver. Um, I declare before him my trouble. God doesn't care as you as you can expound on your troubles, but at the same time, you don't need to pray the problem to God. He really already knows it. I think it would be better to do what Jesus suggested, that we bind and loose, that spirit of fear, that spirit of, of accusation. A lot of times we don't name the devil. We just kind of generalize that enemy. I think it's really important to name him. When you go out hunting, I mean, you can generalize and shoot in the sort of in the direction where you saw the deer yesterday and hope he might be there again today and you might accidentally shoot him. Or you can wait till you see him and aim for the whites of his eyes and get something and actually do some hunting, some real, you know, hunting. So with the enemy, it's good to name him. God wants us to know that the more specific you are, it's the same with pounding nails and uh, using hammers. If you are kind of swinging the hammer in the direction of the nail, it's not very specific. I believe prayers need to be quite specific. And you say, oh, I don't want to be that specific because what if I pray out of the will of God or what if I pray something wrong or or worse yet, 
What if I pray and he doesn't answer me? So if I'm not, if I'm pretty vague in general, then no one will ever know if I prayed it right or not because we're always trying to wait, look for a way to get God off the hook. I'd say put God on the hook. God, this is what you promised. Lord, I need, he loves desperate. I mean, think of Hannah. She was there. She was so desperate beside herself that Eli thought she was drunk. I mean, Jesus in the garden, crying out to God on his face, sweating great drops of blood. Um, I don't think any of us have prayed that intently. I really believe, though, that is exactly what it's going to take, that kind of prayers, because we are in a situation where, you know, nice little church prayers and little bedtime prayers aren't going to work for us anymore. David was in the midst of a battle, and we are in the midst of a battle, too. In Psalm 142, uh, I'm going to read this from the Amplified. This is David again crying out, I cry to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord do I make supplication. I pray, pray, pour out my... before. Him. Okay, so it's okay to complain. I tell before him my troubles. You know, as long as you're not murmuring and you say, God, you know, this is what happened. This is what I wanted. This is what I thought. What are the lies? I What's going on here? What's the demon? Do? What's the generational pattern here that keeps stealing from me what I need? When my spirit was overwhelmed and fainted, that is, throwing all of its weight upon me. Then I knew my path. Then you knew my path. In the way where I walk, they have hidden a snare for me. Look on the right hand. Look on the right hand, the point of attack, and see, for there is no man who knows me to appear before me or take, you know, will take uh, his, his place or uh, make his petition before the Lord. So he's on his own. Refuge has failed me, and I have no way to flee or place to go no man cares for my life or my welfare so this is where we kind of lump god into everybody else's bad behavior and rejection of us well god is not a man that he should lie and god is not a man that he should abandon us and he's not a man that he doesn't know what to do he has the answer there is jesus calls himself the way for a reason because usually there's only one right way i mean the way out we can the devil will suggest several options but Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ is the solution to your prayer, your problem right now. Whatever it is, that solution is three words. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation of Jesus Christ. Four words. That is the answer to your prayer. That is the answer to your problem. So I cried to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. How many of us are happy with God? Just happy with God. I don't have to have all of his trimmings and all of his trappings and all of his other things. I'm just happy with God. I got God. I got everything. You know, I don't need anything else because God, he's got my back. He's my portion. He's my provider. He's keep, he keeps his promises. He said, I will never leave or forsake you. He is no respecter person. He's not going to dump you in the middle of the river because you're not good enough. That's the lie. See, the devil's lying to you about God, too. Very. These tests are all God's tests. Are we going to love him? We're, you know, God is tested in the hearts and minds and mouths of all of us. Is he fit to rule the world? Is he fit to, I mean, we have done so many things to remove God from the throne. We've called him dead. We've called him, you know, we've given ourselves black holes and, and, and big bangs and monkeys and all kinds of things and theories to get God out of the picture. Why? What has he ever done to you except love you? And provide for you a purpose and a reason for living. Terrible. Is his love such an offense to you? Is his dying on the cross an offense to you? Well, the devil has made it an offense to a lot of people that 
hate God, and they are more happy with the um, uh, the collective hope of a broadening universe, with an expanding universe. Okay, so that expanding borders of the universe, how does that comfort me when I have to bury my child or I see my, my parent dying or I have uh, nothing to eat? How does that collective hope of a we can replace God with singularity and, and with our, our physics and our, and our silly theories, how does that comfort me in the day of my calamity? Seriously. Some collect that's what people are thinking. I got this garbage going on that we're some collective singular unit of something and we can all hope together and we can all make the world happy and sing all the same song at the same time together and we've never done it yet. But somehow we got this great hope that we can do it, which is all a fable, a fantasy and a, and a prayer that will not be answered because you cannot mix light and darkness and come up with anything but mud. You will not bring peace and hope. Um, so. We have to stand for light. You have to be willing to take a stand and take a side. And so we're going to take a minute here to listen to um, a little commercial about what is life. And I'll be right back. What is life? Where does it come from? Where does it end? Is it merely a sequence of random events thrown together? Is it of any significance? Or is it just there, a dash between two dates carved on a cemetery stone? Does it count? Does it last? What's it worth? Does it matter? Is evolution a plausible explanation for the existence of man? Does the Genesis record give us an accurate account of the origin of man? Or are there other valid arguments that can explain the origin of human life? Were we planned from the foundation of the world, or were we an accident, an amoeba emerging out of primordial slime? And what is the ultimate significance of a life born by accident, or of no one being there? If we are nothing but the result of random chance and fortunate mutations to the nth power, who cares? And if we are of no significance in our birth, then life is of little value, and to die is the same as to live. And that is the philosophy. That is the agenda. That is the philosophy, the agenda of the world, of the God of this world, to make you feel like it's just as good to die as it is to live. How many people are committing suicide? They have no hope. They don't have a God that they can pray to or they th- or a God that they think is mad at them or they think they're mad at and confused with. And then they get some little religious cliches thrown at them, which just irritate them it's like you you know you you just have these little things that bug you and irritate you and they don't help at all because you know they're lies david says hear my prayer O lord give ear to my supplication in your faithfulness answer me get god there you go get him right over a barrel say god you promised god job says it this way in the middle of the whole deal of job he says though he slay me yet will i trust him now there's a man with guts I mean, seriously, sitting there scratching his skin. I don't know if he had what he had, Lyme's disease. I don't know, he had boils, whatever he had. And he says, I don't care. Even if God kills me, I'm going to... And that was the, the, the Hebrew children said the same thing. Puh. Doesn't matter. 
if he delivers us out of this fiery furnace or he takes us, doesn't really matter. Why doesn't it matter? Because we're not our own. We're God's. And he is faithful. So God, you promised. God, you promised. And if God made you a promise, he will keep that promise. Even if you fall down on the deal, God will keep the promise because he is faithful. He will answer us when we cry. Um, It says, do not enter into judgment with your servant. In your sight, no one living is righteous. Well, isn't that interesting? We're all trying to be so good, and in God's sight, no one is righteous. And if he marks iniquity, who can stand? So what does he really want? Do you want perfect kids? Or do you want kids who will really love you a lot? That have a few little flaws here and there. But they really love you. You know, God wants our love. He wants us to know that we are loved by him. But the enemy, he says in, in uh, Psalm 143.3, the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. That sounds like you're weak. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. That's pretty hard. That's pretty graphic. That's pretty real. That's pretty right there kind of thing. Um, David wasn't hashing, uh, making things worse or better. He was just saying it like it was. Let's read that in in the Amplified, verse 3 and 4, see what he's got to say. He says, For the enemy has pursued and persecuted my soul. Now, Now notice he switched from body to soul. He was being chased around in the in the bull, in the bu- uh, bushes and the over the hills and hiding caves, but now he's being persecuted in his soul. He has crushed my life down to the ground. He has made me to dwell in dark places as those who've long been dead. Do you know how the devil has tried to take people apart? He has thought up the darkest evil, the most hideous, unbelievable, demonic experiences, traumas, um, crises, tragedies for people to go through where they are in this place, in the darkest place where their soul feels dead, their spirit has been crushed, they see nothing, there is no hope, there is no way out except for God, and they don't even know he is there. But he knows he's there. Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed and faints within me, wrapped in gloom, my heart within my bosom grows numb. Okay. Wrapped in gloom, depression, defeat, discouragement, Fear, anxiety, attention deficit, hyperactivity, um, can't think, can't feel, walled off, lonely. Don't trust so your heart's growing numb. You don't want to touch or be touched by anybody. Um, Then he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your doings. I ponder the work of your hands. Now, I spread forth my my, uh, hands to you, O Lord. My soul thirsts after you like a thirsty land for water. Pause. So he answers. He says, "Answer me speedily, speedily, O Lord, for my spirit fails. Hide not your face from me, lest I become like those who go down to the pit or the grave." He's desperate. It's okay to be desperate. You know the problem probably is that you're not desperate. You're just whining. You're just looking for an escape, a quick fix, another escape, another pill, another reason to blame somebody else, get mad at God. Get desperate. This is your life, for crying out loud. Are you going to just give it over to the devil because it's too hard? Well, it's your life. It doesn't belong to the devil. You know, ask the Lord to give you some interest in your own life. 
Ask him to remove this spirit of stupor from you. And, Father, I ask right now that you do that. If they can't ask for themselves, I ask that you do it. I ask that you remove the spirit of stupor and gloom and dread and anxiety and fear and failure, this cave, this wall, this barricade, a tragedy, this trauma, this child that's locked in this place. Father God, in Jesus' name, that you'd break through with your light and your love because of your faithfulness and that you would stir our hearts up to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. So God wants us to know that there is a battle going on. Cause me, it says, to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For on you I lean and in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my inner self to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee to you to hide. This man is, he is sincere. He's desperate. Like I said, he is not, full. He's not these are not his little bedtime prayers. These are not his little church prayers. This is not what you hear in church. You know, you hear the sing-songy, you know, liturgy or the, the rituals and you go, you know, through it without, you know, I mean, you can sleep through it, really. I mean, this is, the guy is getting active in his own life. He did not want to die. He wanted to do the will of God. He didn't want to lean to his own understanding. He wasn't mad at God, obviously, and all look at God had put him in. It was a mess. God put him there because God was permitting him so God could answer him speedily, so God could actually, you know what happened to David, don't you? King David, the king of Israel, who got totally blessed, won his battles, became the greatest king, the the um, the heir, uh, the uh, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Um, the guy had no shabby palace, let me tell you, and he he did pretty good down here. But the thing is, he 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 first of all had his inner man right with God. You can do that by the grace of God. You can have that. You just start speaking to God. Open your mouth. I, I you know a lot of us we don't use our mouths right. We use them to complain and whine and rehearse the problem, and give lots of things to the devil to work with. Like, oh, I'm stupid, I'm never going to make it, I hate my life, blah, blah, blah. Wasn't that terrible, I think I'm getting sick. Um, Oh, man, did you hear about that? What's going to happen? I can't believe. What if? Oh, no, yeah, but. We're giving our mouth, you know, all these words to say that the devil just loves because he can go and fill in and work with this stuff. But how many of us are using our mouths to, and, and yeah, and a lot of us, we get into this, you know, this, you know, parakeet kind of praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, that's not praising God. That is being a robot. That's being a parakeet. That you, What do you think, you know, seriously, if you have a girlfriend or you have a guy friend, if you just kept saying, oh, John, oh, John, oh, John, oh, John, oh, John, oh, John, oh, Susie, oh, Susie, oh, Susie. What do they think, you're nuts after all? <laughs> I love you. Come on, people. This is real life, and these are real relationships, and this is a real God. And he can handle your problems if you're willing to go there, if you're willing to deal with it. You say, well, I don't want to look at this. I just want to deny this. I don't want to. It's too painful. Well, God is at the place of your pain. He's already there waiting to take away that pain. Um, The only thing, really, that you're probably missing is reading the Bible. You know, say, oh, I, every time I read the Bible, I feel so condemned. Every time I read the Bible, I fall asleep. Every time I read the Bible, I can't remember what I read. Now, who do you suppose that is? Who are they showing up to snatch the word out of your mind 
to put you to sleep and to put on these stupid filters and glasses that make you see it all through condemnation and it's a it's you're not getting it take off the glasses rebuke the spirit of stupor tell the devil if i'm tired to shut up and tell the snatchers to go back to the pit and say holy spirit i don't get this help me read this help me understand this you know what's going to happen you're going to actually start to like reading the bible and you say well i i go to a bible study or i do a bible study you know i fill in the blanks of the pages, and I go every week. Oh, I think those things are perfectly boring myself, perfectly boring. You find the answer, you write it on a line, you forget what you did, and you got your homework done, you hand it in, the teacher gives you a nice, you know, little kiss on the cheek, and you're all set to go, and you know nothing about God. Nothing. It's not rote. It's not, you know, memorizing the book. It's getting out there and knowing how to use the sword and the shield. Get your boots on the ground and take this thing seriously. I'm serious, people. The word of God is absolutely going to be fulfilled word for word. Every bit of it. Every bomb that's going to drop that he's talked about is going to drop. Every one of those four horses of the apocalypse is showing up or is going to show up. Every angel that's going to drop his bowl of lightning or is what is going to show up. Every he says about the Antichrist, everything he says about the nations, everything is going to happen just the way he said it. So you're just going to sit there and just um, hang out in your room till it's over? Uh, don't think so. Don't think so. I think you're going to have to come out of your room sooner or later and get yourself a sandwich. And then you're going to find out what's really going on out there. But then it might be too late because there might not be any more bread. So people, the bread, get it now. It's the word of God. Get it hidden in your heart. Um, call me. Seriously. I'm just trying to stir you up here because I know that we ain't ready and we're not mad at God. So, Lord, whatever the lie is that my brother or sisters believe in that makes him think he's mad at you or you're mad at him, I just ask you, Lord God, to expose those devils. Expose them. The lie, the place where they, the person began to believe that lie. Like, God doesn't care about me or God doesn't worry about me or think about me or he can't be trusted. You know, if God can't be trusted, who in the world are you going to trust? Yourself? You draw your breath from God. He gave you your very first breath. He's the one who continues to let you breathe his air every day. And if you can't trust God, you think you can trust yourself, you can't even draw another breath. When God says, that's it, your breaths are over, that was the number I gave you and they're done. We love God because he is awesome. He is holy. He has the best things in line and in mind for us. Nothing, I mean, not that's going to be easy down here. Never said it would be. But eternal life, the promises of God, forever with him, it will be worth it all. So, and the other side of that is I'm mad at myself. Now, that again is a demon, a spirit of condemnation. What are you going to do with that? Forgive yourself? Are you were you supposed to be perfect down here? Is that what God said? Nobody can fail. If you fail, you're out. One mistake, you've lost, can't be in the game anymore. It says here, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Well, are you one of his works? Of course you are. That's Psalm one forty five, verse eight and nine. God cannot lie. It says, men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. 
and I will declare your greatness. They will mem- they will utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. All this really ultimately is to bring glory to God and to establish us with him forever in heaven. And so it's a, it's a battle down here. It's a war down here. It's not that little church stuff you thought it was. It's not even your Sunday school lesson. It's not a flannel board Jesus. It's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I would say we need to delete, delete, delete a lot of junk we believe about God. Let the blood of Jesus delete it and prepare your heart to receive what's really the truth because that will get you in touch with life and what is real and what is valuable and valid and important. And that will make you not afraid. Perfect love casts out fear. You know, um, we have to put the devil in the equation for things to add up. Otherwise, it will make no spiritual sense. And if you've been introduced to Jesus as a child, remember you were taught to pray. And then when those prayers did not get answered and you did not understand and you became discouraged, you need to go back and let the Lord show you what was really going on and why those prayers didn't get answered and what was really behind the scenes spiritually going on. And that you have to ask God to forgive you for believing the lie that you don't trust God because that is a lie. Because number one, you are built by God to trust God. So there's really no way that you couldn't trust God except if you believe a lie that the devil is telling you from your soul, which says, I trust God or I don't trust God enough. That is not even you. That's a thought you think you're thinking, so the devil can get you to think you thought it, so then he can get you to agree with it. You didn't think that thought. The devil put that there. That's called a temptation. I don't trust God can go to hell. He's a liar. You're built by God to love God, know God, resonate with his truth, and trust him. That all comes with the package of being made in the image of God. It's not something you have to work at. It is already there. It is part of the original deal. It's like a baby. You know, a baby comes with certain standard items, uh, and he doesn't have to work at growing his fingers. He doesn't have to work at, you know, shaping a hand. He doesn't have to work at, you know, um, forming his brain. That's all standard operating equipment part of when he gets here, what the baby gets to do is use those things to understand, develop, create, um, protect, uh, express himself. So when you're taught things as a child, thinking you don't trust God and you've got to learn to trust God and trust God more, that's a bunch of garbage, garbage. I know the church says, oh, I've got to trust God more. You know what? Just tell the church I've been built by God to trust him. I do trust him. Yeah, it looks a little crazy out there, but I do trust God. It's because God made, made me. And when we're discouraged and we believe these lies, then ask the Lord, show me what's the lie I'm believing that's making me feel mad at you or like I don't believe you or you're not going to help me. Um, and what are the agreements we're making with pain? A lot of times we have a lot of agreements that we've made with pain. They come through guilt. I'm bad. I'm stupid. I'm no good. I'm guilty. And pain comes right in to bring up and establish that judgment, that penalty in us. Um, I don't know how to pray. Who said that? How do we pray? Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, start talking. So you've used some drugs. Who cares? Talk to Jesus. So you've had a bunch of stuff that's messed up your heart and mind. Go back to the Lord and say, God, fix me. Heal me. Um, what are the lies that have st- stood in my way? Um, it's not about concluding that we don't believe in God because prayer doesn't work. And that's another problem. We think, oh, yeah, I, I don't believe in God because prayer doesn't work. Well, just because your parent says no doesn't mean your parent doesn't exist. Oh, sure, I'll take a color. Who are you? Hello. 
Hello. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can sure hear you. Sounds great. Who are you? I mean, you can just tell me your first name. (laughs) Yes. My first name is Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea. And I was just listening to your call, um, and I have been um, having, like, a pain during my ovary area for the past two Mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. And um, I fully believe God's word, you know, when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, like our healing was then. And I Mm -hmm. completely believe in that. um, And I'm walking in my healing even when I feel pain. But Mm -hmm. I want the pain to be gone, Mm -hmm. too. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you were talking about, you know, pain can be associated with a lie that you're um, believing, Mm -hmm. because I am you know, my spirit is believing in this healing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just was wondering first if you could pray about that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also had one other question um, quick, and maybe it's not a a quick answer. So, mm-hmm. but I just was wondering, okay. Sure, I we'll pray. Well, let's pray. First of, go for okay. Let's do this, Chelsea. I'm going to ask the Lord, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and for the rest of you who've got pain going on, you can do this as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for Chelsea. And I, in your, and you said, my sheep know my voice. Do you love Chelsea? What do you know, Chelsea? Does Jesus Christ love you? Yes. All right, Lord, so we want to know what is the root, the lie, that pain is using to create this pain in Chelsea's ovary right now. What is the lie? Take her back to the original place where... Um, the enemy got her to agree with a lie. What was the place where fear set up the lie in her in her body, in her life, in her mind that causes this pain in her ovary? Take her back to the original place, and probably it's a place of guilt. Mm-hmm. But Lord Jesus, you sure? What's he showing you right now? And maybe it's going to be probably a memory or a theme of memories. Right. I bind I every spirit or block it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Go ahead, dear. Somehow association like pain for punishment yeah. is kind of um, like... So, so guilt punished, says you what? You have to feel pain. Okay, so you're being punished, um, and punishment comes as a result of doing something wrong, correct? Usually? Right. Okay, so what's the lie? Satan's got you to believe, I did something wrong, um, I deserve to be punished, I'm guilty. Where where did guilt come in and tell you you deserved to be punished? And then, of course, the definition of punishment and penalty is pain. Is there a memory that God is showing you where the devil hooked you in with that judgment, that guilt? Yeah, I, I guess thought, I just mm-hmm. feel that way, felt that way a lot as a kid because I was such a spirited child okay. that I felt like I kind of in my mind, screwed up a lot, you know? Okay. And I know, I like, now my mom would say different. You know, she says I was a great kid, but at the time I felt like, um, Well, you yeah, were accused that, You were accused a lot by the enemy of being a, screw, a screwed-up kid or being naughty or rebellious or whatever. But, you know, whether you were fine to your mother, the devil had you believing something completely different. And so... You came into agreement. This was a theme that wasn't just one time deal. It was a kind of a theme that I am what? If I'm screwing up a lot, then yes. I'm what? Yeah, that I'm bad. 
I'm bad. Okay. If I'm bad, then what? Then I should be punished. Should be punished. And if I should be punished, then what? Feel that feeling, then what? If I should be punished, then what? Well, then it should hurt. It should hurt. Um, and, mm-hmm. and and so and it should hurt. So that's what you've agreed with. It should hurt. I should be punished because uh, I'm bad because I screwed up. So the devil, what is Jesus Christ? Was he there when all this was going down and the devil's trying to program you with all this junk? Yes. And Lord Jesus, what do you say to Chelsea about she should be punished and it should hurt? That um, that was fulfilled on the cross. Okay. So then you're not in favor of... Okay. So he took your hurt, your pain, and your curse and all the accusations and judgments and penalties and punishments for you. Is that correct? Yes. So then he would favor the removal of this hurt and pain? Yes. Okay. So I command the spirit of pain that's making Chelsea's ovaries hurt... I command you now, in the name of Jesus Christ, to take the witness stand of her life and listen to this. Now say this with me, Chelsea. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. I cancel out every agreement I made. I cancel out every agreement I have made. Especially as a child. Especially as a child. Every agreement, knowingly or unknowingly. Every agreement, knowingly or unknowingly. With the with the lie. With the lie. That I'm bad. That I'm bad. I should be punished. I should be punished. And it should hurt. And it should hurt. I cancel out those agreements. I cancel out those agreements. And command every spirit. And command every spirit. That has taken advantage of those agreements. That has taken advantage of those agreements. Including the spirits of fear and pain and hurt. Including the spirits of fear and pain and hurt. To be dismissed from my body right now. To be dismissed from my body right now. I command you to leave me. I command you to leave me. And do not come back. And do not come back. Because I declare. Because I declare. That Jesus Christ became a curse for me. That Jesus Christ became a curse for me. And he bore my iniquities. And he bore my iniquities. And by his stripes I am healed. And by his stripes I am healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father, I agree. You said of two or three agree on earth is touching anything, it shall be done. I command all generational familiar spirits of pain, punishment, guilt, shame, condemnation, and hurts that are also hanging around in the generational bloodlines, you're bound, you're dismissed, go to the pit. And I command, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that this place now be filled up with your joy, your peace, that all binding, pulling, shredding, tension, there's a tightness there uh, that I I think that's what the pain feels like. It's kind of like a, what is it, a dull ache and a a tightness kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or is it sharp? Is it a sharp? Okay. It kind of comes in, yeah. And all of the above. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, Lord God, I command all of the. Then you'll go what? Just some. Then the pain will compensate in my back and then down my leg. Okay, so it's and all I'm, over the place. It's just going to move around. So, mm-hmm. spirit of pain on the witness stand. Do you have a right to be in Chelsea's body? Tell her the truth before the living God. 
No. So why are you there then? Tell her the truth, the same truth you must declare on judgment day. Pain. Why are you in her body all over the place, up and down her back, her leg? Why? What does he say? What do you know? Why is he there? What comes to your mind? Um, Pain, you will not lie to her. Just that I came into agreement with that Mm -hmm. lie long ago. And did you hear, Payne, what she just prayed and said? The agreement with you is broken. So I want all elements of pain, all imprints of pain, even the pain that's been registered in the cells, I command you to go to the pit. Father, I ask that every program that's operated under guilt, shame, condemnation, I deserve to be punished, I should be punished, it should hurt, that all of those lies would be erased from the programming, be deleted from Chelsea's body, her heart, her mind, her soul, her will, her spirit, and whether or not it's moving around here or there, pain, the sword of the word of God is now separating you from this woman's body, for you are trespassing on the temple property of the Most High God. Lord Jesus, Son of the Living God, show Chelsea what you're doing right now. I just feel, um, I definitely just feel his peace. Good. So notice that's going to um, yeah. untighten your muscles, your, your muscles and the, the tension, I think, between wanting to be a free-spirited kid and the fear of that being wrong. I think that's, that. so Jesus show Chelsea when she was little running around and screwing up and being energetic and whatever she was being. What did you want to say to her when the devil was saying she was being naughty? That I was just a leader. True enough. So was he uh, so was he mad at you? No. Okay. So what does he want to do for that little girl now who's trying to, you know, is still being held back by the uh, the restrictions of this judgment of pain? What does Jesus want to do for you? He's the good shepherd. What does yeah. he want to do? Um, have me free and complete freedom. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he already and, has done, done done that, hasn't he? Yeah. And to show me, um, you know, be a mature leader, like grow in, in that leadership. Mm-hmm. Grow in grace. Amen. And not be afraid to do things the way he leads you to do them, which may not look like appropriate, you know, well-mannered behavior all the time. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. I sense you have a little more... Uh, spunk in you, good in a good way. Uh, a little more. You're not going to take everything sitting down, and you're not swallowing everything. You're going to just kind of like up and lead and say, bold boldness. That's what it is. That's the spirit of boldness and also determination to do this thing for God. So great, awesome. So how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling really good. Even just when I was closing my eyes, I could just really feel God's presence and. Um, Sometimes when I feel the anointing, I just see like these tunnel of lights when I close my eyes and I kind of like his peace and that's what I was feeling and mm-hmm. um, experiencing. So Good. Well, Lord Jesus, yeah. we ask now that you secure her house with great joy and celebration and, and lead Chelsea in this um, leadership. Give her wisdom and maturity through your Holy Spirit that she'll walk in your counsel and not be afraid 
and use that gift of boldness and leadership to use her to instruct many people, Lord God, because you are great, awesome, faithful. You never fail, and you know exactly what you're doing. Praise God. So close the the doors, Lord Jesus, and seal her house house with great joy and celebration. Amen. Yes. Amen. So what what about the other question? Maybe we'll have to do it next week, but you can at least ask it. (laughs) Yes. Okay, maybe this would be a good one for next week. But, um, okay, so when we pray to the Lord and how the enemy can, you know, interject our prayer, I guess. Not interject it, but. Intercept you it? said you can answer it. Yeah, intercept it and answer it with a quicker response instead of right. we just waited for the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was where where the gift of discernment comes in, Absolutely. I would imagine. But um, I was just, um, I felt like at one time in my life I prayed, you know, for more knowledge on natural remedies uh-huh. just because I wanted to um, know more about that. And at that time, an opportunity, like, came where I started learning more about essential oils. Uh-huh. And I guess I was just kind of, it felt like such an, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much about it, but um, sometimes essential oils can be taken too far with people and it becomes spiritual and it can become very new agey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even most of the companies that put them out there can bend mm-hmm. too far in that way and I'm not comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But yet it felt like an answer to prayer to me because they're, you know, they're gods. They're his plans. Yes. Mm-hmm. And That's so right. now I'm just trying to figure out how do you know exactly, like, if that prayer was intercepted by the enemy or not? Like, was he setting me up to be a part of this new agey type thing, even though I have not taken it that far mm-hmm. by any means in my own personal life? Um, okay. But I'm questioning. So maybe that's another day of Well, let me just out, give you but... a quick, a quick answer. Um, how do I figure out? Where's how do I from? Heaven um, or hell? Yeah, from hell. Because it stresses you out, doesn't it? I've got to figure this out. You ask God for something. Now, God, you know, he is opening your understanding to see how his good things have been counterfeited by the enemy or taken over by the enemy or used as a substitute when God meant it to be as a, a healing or an aid or, an, uh, you know, uh, good food, for example, um, that is also used as a medicine. Does that make sense? So yes. I wouldn't worry about figuring it out. I would just say, Lord, you show me how you want this used. This is a good gift from you, but it's like anything else. It's like a television set. It can be used for good. It can be used for evil. I, just because it can be used for evil doesn't mean I can't have a television set. Uh, just because there are hypocrites who go to the grocery store doesn't mean I can't go to the grocery store or I'll be be a hypocrite. It's like, you know, a lot of the gifts God's given us, he wants them to be used appropriately, and that's why he is leading you in this way. And obviously he's even giving you a desire to have it used appropriately or rightly according to him. Uh, You know, there was, in the scripture it says, anoint them with oil and they will be healed. I know oils have frequencies. I know the body needs certain frequencies. I know there's great uh, remedy there, but the thing is, a lot of people want to use these remedies from God, the gifts from God, without God. They don't want God right. involved in the answer. So I don't really believe you have anything to worry about. I think what's going to happen is if you see, a, a, for example, a company that's going too over the edge, then ask the Lord if he, he wants you to maybe get your stuff from somewhere else or whatever. 
I mean, um, right. And you know, obviously, this whole world is full of corruption everywhere. God will give you wisdom, and I like that discerning of spirits, so that um, you have that understanding. And also, just to FYI, you, um, we're also very interested in those things. And if you go to our website uh, this spring, I've, it's not posted yet on the website, but we're going to be doing a special um, uh, uh, healing remedies and medicines uh, made from weeds. Um, oils and weeds, but mostly weeds. And so um, that's going to be a conference I'm going to be doing, as a matter of fact. I haven't got that posted yet, but if you're on our email, and if for all of you, if you want to join us so you get our uh, constant contact information, just go to the website and type in your email address, and you'll be on our webs- our mailing list, and that will be sim- so simple. And then you can keep up with us. Also, one more advertisement before we um, go, and Sounds like you have some little one there, so that might this might be a good segue into the commercial for our Troubled Children's Conference Part 2 that's going to be in March, on the 21st of March. We had Part 1 on the 7th of February, and it was very good, and yet we just kind of scratched the surface of what we're going to do. So this time, it's going to be more of a hands-on workshop where we're going to actually be working with the people. We kind of laid a foundation, and so we're going to minister to people, and then uh, we're not actually actually going to have the children come yet unless we have um, uh, maybe a third conference where we'll have some of the kids come and we'll pray with them. So this is for the parents, the teachers, the grandmas and grandpas, and yourself if you were a troubled child, that you can come. This is a free conference on uh, March, and it's a Saturday, March 21st, at the Holiday Inn in Rogers. Um, all you have to do is go to our website and just, Sign up so that you register so we have the seating available for you. And, again, that you're welcome to do that. And so thank you. Um, thank you. Did that help you, Chelsea? Did you kind of get an answer there to what you're looking for? That was really, really helpful. And even just being aware more in the future, like, okay, even if you get a quick answer, you mm-hmm. know, doesn't you really do have to discern what it is. Right. You know, well, I believe so, God led you to that, and I believe he's leading, he's giving his people answers, And but you just have to continue to walk in that. Don't make any assumptions. Don't say, well, the answer came so quickly. God knows our hearts, too, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't double guess. I would just say, Lord, you know, if there's, a, if there's a doubt coming in, say, Lord, there's a doubt here, son of God. Where's that from? What do you want me to know? Because sometimes if God does bring an answer, the devil will try to come and confound you with, the doubt or the how do I know or I've got to figure it out. Those are all from hell. You don't have to figure anything out. Just follow Jesus. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's not. It's the Holy Spirit in you leading you. So he's directing you every day because he loves you. He's there every day. And he's going to give you wisdom for your children, wisdom for your own physical body. And it sounds like for you, wisdom to help other people. So, well, praise God. Well, yes. listen, everybody, tonight, now, remember, our conference is coming up, and you're more than welcome to join us next week. And if you have questions at, that you want to you ask, but you're maybe a little shy, you can email them to us at mcole at liferecovery.com, M-C-O-L-E at liferecovery.com, and just say, Rescue Radio, i got a question for you. And so the Lord be with all of you tonight, and thank you again for listening. God bless you, and listen. Don't be frustrated with God. He loves you. We're having a great time. He is never going to leave us or forsake us. Amen. Rejoice. God bless.